0: Well, we, uh, Robert and I both have been grateful to get to be with you this uh, this term in this class. It's been uh, wonderful to be with you and talking with you and sharing with you and hearing you share with us about all of that.
1: Technology is great.
0: Technology is great, yeah. yes. I'll give it one more shot, then I'll just be loud. Um, so, coming to our last day today, here's our, uh, got three parts in the agenda for today. One is I want to kind of review some key themes uh, theological themes, historical, sociological realities, and personal skills that we've talked about, the three headings under that. Second, we're going to do uh, two think, pair, share questions. And then third, we're going to ask about maybe ongoing work, ongoing tasks, ongoing um, agendas going forward. So, first, Let's do, uh, review some key themes under three major areas that we've talked about. Theological and biblical themes, from the very start, we suggested that in talking about discussions like this, there are four, at least four major themes that we want to talk about. And of course, these could be expanded in many ways. I mean, for example, we haven't talked about very much the importance of the sociological, political practice of baptism. And when we don't think about baptism, for example, as a political practice, we don't understand baptism. Because baptism is a political practice that breaks down hostility and boundaries and barriers between people. That's one of the main things that the Apostle Paul said about baptism. He was Jew Greek, male nor female, bond or free, which were the three dividing categories in his day. And he said, if you're in Christ, you're all one in Christ. Baptism is a political practice. We haven't even talked about that, but here's four, four major ones we've talked about. Kingdom of God, as a real kingdom with its own deviant socio political practices that are different than the kingdoms of this world. Taking this kingdom seriously has profound implications that are wide-ranging, especially for any sort of area of social hostility. The kingdom of God covers the whole of the earth and will ultimately cover the whole of all human hearts, all social practices, all of the redemption of the whole of creation is that for which we long. The church, second, is a witnessing community The church and the kingdom are inseparable, but they're not the same thing. The church is a community that bears witness to the kingdom of God, that in its common life points to the nature of the kingdom of God. The world is supposed to look at the church and not see a group that knows how to do religion right. The world is supposed to look at the church and see a community that bears witness to the nature of the kingdom that has come and is yet to come in fullness. The church itself is a witnessing community to what the kingdom of God is supposed to be and what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like and what the kingdom of God ultimately will triumph in every way over. Third, principalities and powers. The New Testament talks, especially the Apostle Paul, talks consistently and repeatedly about the principalities and powers, that there are these systems and structures and powers in the world which are real, which are tangible, which have immense power and have a profound impact upon relationships, social structures, and social realities. Under this heading, we've tried to suggest quite a few times that many times the white church or white people miss the point in conversations about race. That is, a lot of times we, in our defensiveness, we will say things like, well, I'm not a racist. And what we've tried to suggest is that if you take the New Testament seriously, especially language of principalities and powers, you see, it's not really so much important whether you or I am a racist. Now, we've always said, whenever I said that, of course it's important if I'm a racist. For me, it's important. And for the people immediately around me, it's important. And if I can find places and spaces in myself in which I am explicitly racist, it is specifically fodder for repentance on my part. But when we focus there alone, we miss some of the larger, significant realities in our world that focusing upon the principalities and powers allows us to see that there are structures and systems in the world which are themselves racist, and if we don't find ways to bear witness to the ways those systems and structures are racist, we're failing to deal with the brunt of power and the brunt of hostility that is in our world. Fourth, uh, the notion of suffering servanthood. That the way in which Jesus calls his followers to deal with the broken principalities and powers of this world, the overreaching principalities and powers of this world, is through suffering servanthood, is not through doing to them what they do to us, is not through finding ways through revolutionary violent overthrow, but instead is through nonviolent suffering love. Uh, this is one of the, this is one of the ways in which the American civil rights movement has taught the white church a great deal about the gospel because what we see has happened not only in the American Civil Rights Movement, but in South Africa, or in all sorts of places that's happened repeatedly in the latter part of the 20th century and is continuing to happen in the early part of the 21st century, is that when a community of people decide they're going to bring down powers and do it nonviolently, it works over and over and over again. That doesn't mean it's always going to work, and it doesn't mean people are not going to get hurt, and it doesn't mean in some cases some people are going to get killed, but what's happened repeatedly is that people have sought to bear witness to the gospel through the way of Christ and it has often been socially very successful. So those are four kind of major theological things we've talked about. Second, uh, under key, key themes, we've talked about a, very, a varied number of historical and sociological realities. We started off the term talking about racist church history, the church history of churches of Christ in particular. Uh, this can be seen in all sorts of American denominations, but we're no exception. Uh, we've had varied ways, even talking about baptism a moment ago, the place we did talk about baptism, as I recollect in the class, was the way in which baptism was often a racist practice in Churches of Christ. You have some churches set aside to, 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 to baptize colored people, and some ba- churches set aside to, to, to baptize white people. Um, and, and being aware of the way in which many, many people still suffer under the pain and the frustration and the hurts of that racist church history are quite important. We've secondly talked about the notion of implicit bias, that sociological studies indicate that there's all sorts of implicit bias, that is bias of which we are not even necessarily aware until you go through certain exercises to sort it out. And then in so-called pre-rational conditioning, uh, when, when it's measured that that your response, in a way, before you can think about it with the prefrontal cortex, but you're kind of checking what your deeper wiring does. Studies show over and over and over again, with mass amounts of data, that in the in the United States, there's a huge amount of bias against people of color. This is just a social reality, and moreover, that there is that there, there is implicit bias against people of color, even by people of color. It is something in in the the history of our communities and the history of our country that is deeply rooted in us. We talked some about economic policies and the way in which economic systems and economic structures have also had a profound impact in carrying on segregationist or racist implications and racist practices. We've talked some about personal histories and the ways in which this has affected people personally in their lives. And we've talked also about the prison industrial complex and the way in which the so-called justice system is marked by a great deal of injustice in the way that it is carried out, in the way that it is practiced, and that we have a great scourge in our country of huge amounts of incarceration beyond any other industrialized country in the world today. Third kind of heading under some key themes we've talked about are just some kind of personal skills that we've suggested to you. One that Robert's reminded of us repeatedly is let's keep exposing ourselves and being present to those who are different from us. Let's sit and eat meals with them. Let's listen to them. Let's share stories. And being (coughs) intentional about looking to be present to and hospitable to and open to people who are different than us is a key sort of practice. Uh, Second sort of personal skill we've suggested are are toothpick moments. Uh, that, That sort of notion, for those of you who are visiting, we've talked about this notion that um, you know, if you go home at the end of the day and you got food in your teeth and you know it's been there ever since lunch and you went through all those meetings you had that afternoon and nobody told you, hey, you got some food in your teeth. That kind of sense of awe. Ah. Yeah, it would have been awkward, but I really wish they had told me, right? A toothpick moment is the notion of where we say honestly to someone, hey, when you said such-and-so, that sounds such-and-so. That sort of deeply awkward moment but it's an honest moment. It's a moment which shows trust. You're showing yourself trustworthy by putting yourself in an awkward situation, and you're you're assuming trustworthiness on the part of the person you're talking to that they would want to hear the truth, even though it's going to be uncomfortable for them and embarrassing for them. It's um. I would I I would just want to say personally for me that um, the notion of Basic skills in navigating conflict, I think, are, are so deeply important. And I think, certainly in some of the contexts from which I, which I came, uh, often conflict was not something to learn to be navigated and assumed it's going to happen and then you figure out how to negotiate it. And instead, it was that conflict is always to be avoided and conflict is always to be set aside and to be, to be pushed to the side and swept under the rug as quickly as possible. Well, obviously what always happens with that is it just builds up mess, and it just builds up crap in the system, and then it comes out one way or the other, right? But instead, try to find ways in which we really learn to be honest with each other, and we learn to be honest with each other with graciousness. There's a difference between being honest in a a sort of brutal, hurtful way, and being honest with one another in gracious ways. Uh, I came across a line from Will Campbell who says, um, no one who has ever understood the nature of tragedy, can judge another human being. I think that's a beautiful line, right? We're all caught up in various tragic storylines of history. And the more we begin to be aware of the nature of tragedy and the nature of human life, we can learn to be honest while also being kind. We can be honest while also being gracious and generous. So those are some key themes, key things we've talked about. So let's do... um, our first think-pair-share. If you're visiting, um, this the way we do this. You find somebody to talk to uh, that's not a spouse or preferably not somebody that you came in the room with, and then we'll give you a question and you think about that. Now, for some of you who have not been here and are visiting, we've got several visitors today, um, you may need to find somebody who's been in the class and just listen to them uh, because these are going to be questions about things that have happened in the class. Um, so we'll give you a question. You'll have 60, 90 seconds for each of you to share. And then we'll open it up and hear what you had to say about that. So here's the first question. Make, well, first, everybody got your person you're going to talk to? Take a, take a moment to choose, identify. Move if you need to. Everybody good? All right, here's the question. Here's the first question. Uh, and I, I guess if I guess if you're visiting, you could still answer this to just out of what we've said today. Uh, but for those of you who've been in the class, especially this term, what's some sort of theme, insight, historical anecdote that that really resonated with you, that stuck with you, that you want to carry with you out of the class? Okay, so some sort of theme, insight, anecdote, historical narrative that's been important that you want to carry with you and remember going forward. Okay. So go share. got 30 seconds Do this, if you
1: will.
0: Let's try, to, let's try to get a bunch of these on the board real quickly. So some theme, insight, historical anecdote that's uh, important for you that you want to try to lock in and carry with you. Somebody start us out.
2: I think between us it was kind of an awareness of the gravity or the deepness, uh, that's probably not the right word, uh, the issue and some of the, I would say, hatred, or whatever. <coughs> Feel free to help
0: me out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think I think we've seen this in repeated ways, right? One, one quick example of that that I don't think we've discussed in here is that for, um, when 9-11 happened, a lot of the rhetoric around that was that this is the greatest um, incident of terror that's ever occurred on American soil. But many people in the black community said, no, that means you don't know anything about the history of lynching in the United States, right. <coughs> because lynching killed a lot more people than 9-11 did, and it was a systemic practice of terrorism. Terror. Right. Thank you. Somebody else?
2: Greg mentioned the um, the story you told about the community in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1920s, which. Um, was the and, and I actually looked up some of the original newspaper accounts of that after you talked about it. and it was the richest black community in the country at the time burned and for especially for the the white community in nas- uh, nationally, none of us had any clue about that and that's that's a story that you would have at least heard of you would you would expect to have at least had enough legs that you would have some awareness of it. And that an event that significant can happen and <coughs> not have legs nationally is just astonishing. I, yeah, I mean it shows it shows the level of ignorance that we have about so many things. Yeah. If they don't directly affect us. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Good. For <laughs> Somebody else? White co-option of some black leaders in the church, and the way in which, um, and I think this is a really poses a really <laughs> daunting challenge to the white church, and that is um, sometimes what may go under the label of reconciliation or help may in fact be an, an implicit, not explicit, but an implicit perpetuation of segregationist or racist sort of assumptions. <coughs> um, and so it, it's certainly a, a deeply chastening sort of reality. Thank you.
2: Uh, something
1: my partner shared was um, uh, thinking about, like, mass incarceration, about, like, well, you know, that happens to be a, a very large percent of the black community, and maybe they should stop breaking the law but realizing and being more educated about how the system is so stacked against um, that particular community and how that breeds into you know they can't get a job because this because this because and you know where we're putting our wealth in the system and like how the structure is (coughs) wrong to help them succeed
0: yeah yeah so um, of systemic issues that are multi layered in criminal justice and community development and education and where we invest our money and so forth. Um, here's another kind of thing that we haven't mentioned, but um, and I'm not even sure what I think about it. I think it has some legitimacy as a critique, but I'll just say that here's a critique that's commonly made that Christian community ought to be aware of. And that is that one, one common critique these days of why, if you look at the dis- difference in the history of the United States and the way we've dealt with criminal justice being especially punitive, rather than seeking to help people rehabilitate or be contributors to the community. Uh, one of the critiques of why the United States has been that way is because of the, the influence of Calvinist penal substitutionary views of the atonement, in which the understanding of the cross is about God has to punish somebody, and so he punishes his son and kills his son to make <coughs> things right. And if you have that assumption about wrongs and about the ways in which wrongs are righted, namely through <coughs> wrathful punishment, then that can have a profound impact upon your criminal justice system. Um, and again, I, I think that's a very complex, potentially problematic critique, but it's a common critique and it's one that you should be aware of, I think, being, uh, being thoughtful participants in our culture as Christians. Great, somebody else. Doug and I were thinking about our long history together. How 50 years
2: ago, we, uh, before Martin Luther King was killed, we tried to make some efforts in Durham when we were in school together to reach out to the uh, black community and I was telling Doug here I am 75 years old and how, far, how little we've done and how far we still have to go
0: maybe I'd summarize that by saying awareness of the <coughs> the hard work entailed
2: and the distance to go there's a poem called The Star Market, which you may have seen against the people whom Jesus' love, and they weren't in church in Greenwood. They were in the inner city market.
1: I Brother Strickland and I spoke about uh, uh, the church is still segregated and separated. And he, said, he was saying that uh, there are cultural differences I was-
0: Yes, yeah. thank you. Hey, Richard, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that the black church wants to desegregate?
1: That's an interesting question. I, I believe some of them do. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I believe some At the church, and the leaders of this white church didn't want them there, so they called our minister David Jones and says, "Will you accept them at Straight O' And that pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, and there, there, you know, Straight has Caucasian members. Uh, probably. They accept Caucasians. Uh, but I heard some African American churches. <clears throat> In, to one white church, Caucasian church, one Sunday, and the guy says, oh, here comes a troublemaker. He said to my face, he didn't know nothing about my first Sunday there. I didn't know anything about it And so, you know, we and we were visiting on behalf of a friend of mine, who was a member there, and so we said, well, you we'll know, be visiting with you again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 so that's what you're <coughs> some, but, I mean, no, no institution is perfect Ottawa They're bad-hearted people at Ottawa Creek. They're good-hearted people straight line. They're bad people straight line. They're racist in both groups. Uh, until we can see that nothing, nobody's perfect, but we're striving toward perfection. Every day we're striving toward perfection. That that's what distinguishes us from anybody else. I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be. But I don't have <coughs> malice for anybody because of the color of their skin. I have malice.
0: Thank you. Let's, um, these are all uh, great things to get on the board and um, I would, I would kind of like to hear if you, if you would be willing to, <coughs> just to send us some other kind of things so we can kind of collate some of this stuff that so we don't have time to continue on this question, uh, if you're willing to send it by email, just send it to me here in uh, this next couple of days and I'm going to try to collate a lot of this stuff and, uh, and send it out. All right, here's the next question. Um, So Otter Creek, going forward, where would be an area you think we could contribute, work, listen more, be present more, some concrete, tangible, doable um, thing which you would like to see us as a church invest in, work at, uh, and something that you yourself would be willing to work at, contribute to, invest in, okay? So that's the question for you to discuss and we'll try to get as many of those on the board as possible. So let's take uh, 60 seconds, share something, 30 seconds each side with your neighbor. Tribute, work, invest. Somebody start us out. It's
2: a I would like us to do, a, and this might not be a perfect solution, it might be even an awkward solution, i have saying, we did this in our church, i to, is sort of sister up with another church where we can have uh, joint services, meals, you know, church of, that is predominantly of a different nationality a sister church in a predominantly black neighborhood or predominantly Hispanic neighborhood and I don't know I, I really enjoyed it because honestly I had never been to a black church before until I did that and I thought it was really cool and uh, just learned a whole lot of kind of it, just the different traditions and things And I, thought it was, I, yeah. I don't know i like Good. to see us do something like that Thank you. Somebody else? Richard said a couple of things that I think were true but that brought stuff together in a way I hadn't really thought of before he said we we tend to gravitate toward people like us and I think that that's true and then he also said that we want we seek diversity and I think that's true too as a goal but if if we talk about diversity as the goal we've already bought we've already bought into a system that makes it more difficult because that <coughs> highlights our differences. And we are looking at people differently already when what we want to do is seek our own. What we need to do, it seems to me, is is to redefine what our own is and what the things that we have in common are. I was talking with Robert uh, before class and we got into the discussion about music and Robert and I like to talk about Little Milton and Gregory Porter and Maxwell and, um, and those are all musicians that I love. I never talk about Gregory Porter and Maxwell with the rest of you guys when I'm talking music. <laughs> but, that's a, but, that's, but that's a common area that Robert and I have. And so when I'm seeking my own, that's a way that I can seek my own, because I love talking about Gregory Porter. Um, and, and so, I, and, and at that point, I'm not thinking yeah. about our differences. I'm thinking about our own.
0: Yeah, I li- I like that summary. Redefine our own. Which, going back to the baptism thing, that's what Paul is doing with baptism, yeah, right? He's exactly. redefining who our own is. Yeah, it's, 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 these,
2: these are the things that we have in common. We, we don't need to be like, how can we be around people that are different from us? It's how can we find the ways that we are the same.
0: Yeah, good. Thank you. We only have about three to four minutes. So what I'm going to ask you to do is let, let's see how many we can get on the board in the time we've got left. So uh, give us some my one sentence. Fred?
2: Uh, somehow... Corral those at Otter Creek that have the ability to offer more economic justice and opportunity. Um, I think this church is blessed with a lot of uh, uh, resource there, and I, I think there's ways to be more intentional about that as, as Christians.
0: Great, corral and extend economic opportunity. Great. Do ministry together. Do ministry together. Somebody else? And our leadership choices. Yeah. Good. Thank you.
2: Like, two or three years ago, our leadership gave us two or three strategic goals. We're going to pay down the debt. We're going to, you know, two or three things. We've hit them or are close to hitting them. I-, I would love to see this elevated to a strategic goal.
0: So make this a congregational strategic goal. Invite someone of a different color into your home and have real conversation. It's a challenge to do that at our <coughs> church. So we come together on Sunday, but then we come together on Friday night in our home. Yeah, good. So, um, being on the front end rather than Thanks.
1: I'm just going to say, it. I mean, if we can ri- raise five million dollars for a building for us, what what could we do for the the disenfranchised of our community and create enterprise zones
0: yeah. in press communities
1: yeah. <coughs> churches never considered? <coughs> yeah.
0: So certainly to major considerations there on the board related to finance and economics.
2: I think this may be more introspective, but how mm-hmm. important is saying you do a good job of this way to just preserve an open, honest environment for an open, honest dialogue. Get into solutions. You're going to have different perspectives, opinions about (coughs) how to get to maybe. And I want to make sure we understand, uh, you know, people are parts in the right place. Just because they may disagree doesn't mean that uh, they don't want the same end goal. Preserve
0: open, honest dialogue. Thanks, Mouse? I learned
2: Mary. so much from Jeff week about how you can make a difference in your professional capacity and I would love more ideas for people in different professions, how they can do really practical things.
0: Ideas for making a difference in one's own vocation, in varied vocations. Yeah, going with that and your comment about Jeff's and and these two, um, in at least one storytelling, for example, of the history of desegregation in Birmingham, um, one commentary on that has been that ultimately what it was that desegregated Birmingham were business people who said, we're not okay with the impact upon this economically, so let's figure out something. Um, Almost in in some way, in some interpretation of self-serving sort of agenda. But one of the things it points to is that a lot of times it's being intentional about whatever place we find ourselves. that can have a, a very profound impact Do upon Do you think the community. sanctions is what led <coughs> to? The Certainly, point? yes, yeah, exactly. And, and
1: also in South Africa. You spoke about. I mean, it wasn't just social nonviolence in South Africa. I mean, the ANC bombed. And, and, and There's a lot of violence in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. And then you had the sanctions, international against South Africa. So I, I think that's what brought it to the needs. Yeah. Certainly, sanctions made a
0: difference. Yeah, more more uh, more things to get on the board.
2: If this is truly a value of the church, I believe the leadership needs to reflect that. So people of color need to be in leadership, elders, so that the community sees this is truly an inclusive place, and the value they're not just saying it; they're they're doing life together yeah. with people all people. Good. Thank you. We, we, one week we talked about we need to be real careful about learning about another culture like kind of before this. And there's like a lot of truth to that. But it, on the flip side, don't be afraid, is what I'd say. I've known Adriel Watkins for you know, his whole life, my whole life, through Otter Creek. Dre, I've always called him Adriel and said, like, my name's Dre like years later. <laughs> but he was walking into church one time and we were standing by the nursery. And he said, I didn't know he had uh, daughters. I had never met them. And he said, hey, have you seen my two daughters yet? Yeah, they're in the nursery. I, l- I looked in the window and said, which ones are they? He said, the black ones. <laughs> and
1: I was like, ah. You know, he, uh, he and I
2: love that one. <laughs> you know, he uh, put my foot in my mouth. We, it. we love it. We it. it strengthened our relationship. You don't have to be perfect. You know, don't yeah. be afraid to,
1: uh, to, to meet people and build a relationship. It can be a little, it can be goofy.
0: Good. Do not be afraid.
1: Rubio says that's in the Bible lots of times. He, he would
0: be that I think too. he's right. Uh, same on this. If you have other things, I wish you, I ask you please to send those to me at this email address. Um, and we'll collate some of those this week. And here's, here's the last thing that we'll say is that... Um, I'll, I'll collate all this kind of stuff, and, um, and we'll also kind of circulate a, um, if you would like to be in some way involved in ongoing discussion, ongoing action, ongoing work, we'll ask you to kind of indicate that in an email that we'll send out this week. Thank you very much, and uh, blessings on you all. Let's close with a prayer. Gracious God, we give thanks for the gifts of this day and for your mercies. We thank you, O God, that you have called us to be ministers of reconciliation. And we pray, O God, that you would give us wisdom. Uh, We pray that as uh, Jesus called his followers, that we might be uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we seek to bear witness to the ways of your kingdom. Uh, Keep us from being afraid. Keep us from being cowardly. Uh, Grant us courage. Grant us patience and grant us strength. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ, and we pray together as Christ taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: Merry Christmas. I sent you you I sent the I
2: as, 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 as usual, I may have to come back and do some kind of a is that where you know? Yeah. I like
0: a wife, exactly. like
1: the